0: Hi, welcome to This Property Life podcast. I'm Mark Winship. I'm a property investor and mentor, and each week, my friends and I will be speaking to a very special guest about their adventures in property. This week, I'm talking to Natalie D'Souza. Natalie's is a true rags to riches story that I know you're going to find inspiring. It's hard to imagine what Natalie had to go through before making the brave decision to invest in herself and to start building financial security for her family. In this episode, we hear Natalie talk about how she managed to build a multi-million pound property portfolio from a standing start, and how important it is to have a strong why that drives you through the tough times and keeps you on track with your investment journey. Let's hear now from the fabulous Natalie D'Souza. Hi, Natalie. Great to see you. Uh, Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Mark. Thanks for inviting me on.
0: How is, um, how's lockdown treating you? I'm sure it's not been slowing you down in the slightest.
1: Not at all. When you're a professional property investor, nothing slows you down.
0: <laughs> we have
1: actually got a flip going on at the moment um, that we, com- we found during lockdown. So as soon as, the agent- as soon as the agents are open, we're out there looking for properties.
0: Fantastic. Well that's really good. I'm 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 really looking forward to hearing more about that in a second. So I'm going to I'm going to grill you on that particular deal. But before we do that, so I know obviously we've just had a bit a bit of a chat before going live. We've got so much we could potentially talk about. So I'm kind of I've thought long and hard about, you know, where we can kick things off and where best to start. And I think that where I think it would be a good place for us to start. There'll be a lot of people listening to this podcast that are thinking about getting into property investment, uh, looking to just get started. And I think there's a a misconception that we've all heard the phrase, you need money to make money. And I think there's probably a little bit of misconception that you have to have, you know, a big pot of cash to be able to invest, to be able to to, to build yourself a, a, a property portfolio. But I know your story is Really, quite different from that. So, would you be prepared to just sort of rewind the clock a little bit and tell us a bit what life was like before you started investing in property and kind of like you know how you got into property from there?
1: Of course, yes, I'd be happy to share it with the listeners. So, um, my, it's quite a sad story, really. Um, I had my son um, when I was twenty-four, um, and I lost my partner when he was a year. Not even a year after that, I lost my dad. And three months after losing my dad, I lost my mum. So I was basically really torn to shreds, struggling really, 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 really a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And James, I was having to bring up James on my own. And. Um, And my sister then decided, I was living in the family home at the time, and my sister decided, because she was executor of the will, to sell that from under me. So I found myself with nowhere to live with my son. So we ended up going to live with my partner's mum for a short amount of time till the house got sold and I could afford to buy somewhere else. So... I was left an a, 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 a right amount of money for me to be able to buy something um, to live in, something small, but two bedrooms for James and myself. Um, so we moved in there and I started working um, for a school so I could have all the holidays off and be with my son. Unfortunately, after about two and a half years of working there, um, an articulated lorry ran into my car, leaving me unable to work. So I was then sat at home um, and thinking, how much more is gonna be sent to me to try me? Um, And after paying all my bills, I was living on 30 pound a week for food for James and myself. So as you can imagine, life was really, really hard. And I was struggling every day. And I just didn't know where to go. But James grew up luckily to be a lovely young man. He went to university. And while he was in university, um, my aunt died. And she left us a small amount of money. So, what we've done with that money, James came out of university um, and he studied law and he didn't really want to go down that road. So, we discussed what I was going to do with this money. Um, and what we decided to do was put it towards some education. So, we would never be in that position again. We could use the money then to do something. So, we put it into a property education and we learned how to invest in property, property correctly.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. So what, so that's a, that's a, that's a, you know, it's tragic circumstances you had, you know, in theory you had kind of, to say you had every excuse in the book is kind of an understatement, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, taking responsibility and, you know, um, taking those kind of positive steps to, to, to move things forwards for your family. So what was it that gave you, well, as why property? I guess what what sort of steered you in that direction or, and what inspired you and, and what gave you the confidence to to take that step when, you know, all the chips were down in that sense, I guess.
1: Well, property its a funny story, actually, because when James was in university, he was actually living in an HMO, as, as all students do. And it was horrible. It was dirty. It was smelly. It had been professionally cleaned. There were tea stains on the floor in the kitchen. I wouldn't sit down if I wanted to go to the toilet when I was up there. We'd go to Ikea so I could go to the toilet. It was dirty. It was horrible. So what we decided is we wanted to get into property so we could provide good houses for students and they wouldn't have to live like James did. Hmm. Of course, once we got educated, our, our strategy changed straight away. You know, we wanted to start with the baby by to let's and move our way upwards. Um, but our why, I think what what made us carry on down that road was the why was so strong. We didn't yeah. want to get back to where we were living, the way we were living before. And that's why it just made us persevere and carry on. And no matter what we came across, we had to carry on and we had to make this work.
0: So a lot of people are moving towards something, you know, they've got a, an idea of what life might look like in three years time or five years time. In many ways, you were moving away from something. That, yes, that exactly. Your,
1: we to something better. And although we were given a little bit of inheritance to start with. Yes, it paid for our education and it gave us a little bit to start with. Um, you do soon run out of money. And so we had to do it just like everybody else. We had to get angel investors. You know, we had to recycle the money just like we were taught to do. And it's a system that actually does work. If you learn how to do it correctly, it works and it can change your life because we're proof of the pudding.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so that inheritance. So people around you must have thought you were crazy. You've got, you know, you're rock bottom, if you like. You've got this little pot of money come your way that you could have lived off. Yes. You know, and you could have just survived off that pot of money, but you decided to, you know, invest that in your own education and your own development. So did you meet any kind of like negativity or resistance around that from, yeah. from people around you?
1: Yeah, we met a lot of negativity. People were saying, why aren't you using it to live in? Why don't you move? Your, why don't you move, you know, into a, a nicer house? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? But my thought at the back of it was I could use all this money, but I'm going to be in the same position.
2: Hmm.
1: nothing will have changed in my life something different has to change I mean we're 10 years down the line now I'm still living in the same house I don't need a big fancy house I don't need a fancy car I'm quite happy with that what I want is the income coming in every month I want nice holidays I want a nice lifestyle
0: so fast forward us then so so when did you actually start investing in property when was your first deal
1: um, we, we did the we did the education in June two thousand and eleven, and our first deal was in two th- March two
0: thousand and twelve. Okay, so so where are you now? So what does your portfolio look like now? What does your strategy look like? Give us a okay. sort of before and after, if you like.
1: So basically, we've got um, a, a portfolio worth um, multi millions, and um, our cash flow every month is a five figure sum. But right. obviously, we have to split it in half because I do do this with my son
2: yeah
1: um and our 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 first strategy was buy to lets so we just started with that and we bought the baby buy to lets we bought down trodden houses we brought them up to a a, a rentable standard and for me a rentable standard is i would be prepared to live in it myself because what we want to do is give good quality housing to those people that can't afford to buy houses themselves yeah um so it's got to be something that I would be prepared to live in as well myself. So we bring it up to a good lettable standard and then we hand it over to the letting agent. And we don't, don't want anything more to do with it. Then we don't manage our own properties. We don't want a full time job. We have got a big portfolio and it would be a full time job. One, we don't live close to our area. It's a nine hour round trip for us to get to our area for our buy to lets. Um, so if something did go wrong, it needs to be de- dealt with straight away. Mm. Um so we, we started with, uh, you know, one or two. And, and as we as we ran out of money, we thought, now what? OK, now we have to put all that we learn into practice. We have to start going out talking to people. We need to start getting angel investors on board. And that's when we really learn how to invest in property.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it's all about momentum, isn't it? Absolutely. Have you found that it's you know sometimes I think you know and you you've shown better than better than anybody that I can think of that you know it sometimes you have to really claw your way up, you know, to, to, to get yourself started and to get a foothold and to get things moving. But when you start talking to people when you start building those relationships, that that's when your property journey can really sort of gain momentum. Would you agree yes, with that? I-
1: you know when the other day when you know I know it's 10 years down the line but I it's just still puts a smile on my face when the agent phones me and says Natalie we've got a deal on the market do you want to have a look at it before we put it on the market
0: yeah absolutely. and I
1: just love that because they know that we're serious they know we're going to complete on it if it's right for us
0: but and you you put the groundwork into that though haven't you you've built oh, those yeah. relationships over t- over years
1: And, you know, as well as buying the houses, it's so important to do all those viewings and get your your, your properties in that funnel. It's also so important to build the relationships along the way with your agents, with the people that you're having to deal with every day.
0: So how often do you do you buy a property now that's listed on Rightmove?
1: We probably get about maybe three a year from Rightmove. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's still plenty of deals out there but helping oh, yeah. having those relationships just helps you get access it's like moving into a different lane on the motorway isn't it just that's gets right yeah and it's just years. lovely
1: when they bring it to me and i i remember on because well, we did a mentorship and on our mentorship when we went into the agent um the mentor was talking and they were they asked us to sit down they asked us if we wanted a cup of coffee and of course when we went into the next agent we had to speak for ourselves and I'm stumbling and I'm stuttering and I'm all over the shop. And so was James. And my big one thing was I want the agents to take me seriously. I want them to offer me a cup of tea. Yeah. And when I was offered my first cup of tea, I thought, yeah, we've made it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I like it. So so what was your first deal then? Do you Can you remember oh, your first deal, deal, first and, deal and tell us a bit about that?
1: The first bed, the first house was a three-bedroomed um, terraced house. It was in a, a terrible state. It was bought; a married couple had bought it, but they had split up, and they hadn't actually got round to doing any renovations to it. So we took it over, we finished the renovations, and then we put it on the market, and it was snapped up. Now this house has been through a lot of tenants. Yeah. Which we thought, I thought these houses, the tenants were supposed to stay there long term. So suddenly I spoke to my mentor and he said, I think you might need to get the house cleared. And I'm saying, what is the house cleared? Just get the house cleared. So I, they get, he gave me a number of someone to call. I called this lady and she didn't answer the phone. Three days later, she rang me back. I'd left her a message. She rang me back. She said, now is the right time to talk to you. What is the problem? I said, we've got a a problem with one of our houses that we we bought and um, the tenants keep leaving all the time. She said, I know exactly which house you're talking about. I didn't have to give her any details. Um, She said, don't worry, there's a lot of negative energy in that house and I'm going to clear it for you.
0: Okay. If you don't get any joy
1: in the next sort of like three to four weeks, phone me back, and I might have to re-clear it because there's so much bad energy in that house. So I'm thinking, what have we got ourselves into? Yeah. Anyway, so she she cleared it, and we rang her back, said no, no change at all. She cleared it again within three days. The agent phoned me. Yeah, we've got someone else wanting to come and have a look at the house that that couple there was a couple living in that house they stayed there for three years right so after having the people leave all the time that was lovely and then that same house we we did like a mini HMO in there we had three separate roomlets in there to make a little bit of extra money just to diversify a little bit and then now we've just gone back to just doing it as a normal buy to let
0: okay and that's still in your portfolio now
1: Yes, that was the first one. And we bought that one cash purely because um, I had my property at home. But James needed to be a landlord for a certain amount of time to be able to get properties in his name as well. So buying that one cash with what was left of the inheritance enabled him to then go on the deeds as well. So he could be seen as being a landlord so he could buy properties in his name as well. Because when we started 10 years ago, it was all about buying in our personal names.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. So, for anyone who hasn't already made the name connection, you've mentioned your son James a few times. James is is uh, the co-host on on this podcast. So, uh, for anyone who hasn't made that connection already,
1: um, he's never told our story though, has he?
0: No, no, he certainly hasn't. No, no, we're uh, we're too busy, uh, you know, listening to everybody else and uh, and, and hearing from you guys. But um, but no, it's really really interesting to hear the background. And what about, I mean, investing with family? So. You know, what, what about any top tips on, on, on working with family? Uh, you know, I know a lot of people will be going into this as a family unit. So, so how's that worked for you? And have, have you established ground rules or how does it work?
1: Absolutely. James and I have both got our own um, jobs that we do ourselves. He's got yeah. jobs. I've got jobs. We both know what the other person's doing. So if any, at any point in time um, one of us couldn't do it for whatever reason, if we were busy or doing other things, then the other person could step in if needs be. I think there's so much trust there
2: Yeah.
1: because you are working with um, a family member. Yeah. James and I are different generations as well. Um, and so I've got my strengths and he's got his. So we play to each other's strengths. Yeah. He does what he's good at and I do what I'm good at. and therefore it 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 ticks over very very nicely
0: excellent that's good that's really good I would
1: recommend that uh, people work together as a family you you go into business with your with friends or with sometimes people just go into business with people they don't know Mm. they might have met on a course or something like that and I just think there is that trust there and I and we don't have to worry about anything behind the scenes as it were
0: yeah yeah, that's great. So what's been your um, what's been your your best deal? Well, not necessarily your best deal. What's been your favourite deal that you've done to date?
1: My favourite one will be my first one Was it because because I'm just that was my stepping stone on my life on, towards my life changing. Yeah, it was such a big thing for me. This is going to be a, a new career for me. You know, I was still not always well. Yeah. And it was something that I knew would put money in my pocket, even when I wasn't feeling well. Yeah. And I knew I just needed to expand on that and use it as a cookie cutter and just carry on doing it. It worked so well. There was no point deviating from anything we had done. We just needed to rinse and repeat. And that's exactly what we did. In the same area, we didn't deviate from the area. And that is how we were able to build those relationships as well.
0: So, you, you were pretty focused with your strategy then. You identified your investment area and you kind of stuck to that and kind of mastered that area and that strategy.
1: Yes, until our foundation was strong enough. And then we went on to the HMOs.
2: Yeah.
1: In a different area so you have to do the area research all over again but the beauty of yeah. getting educated is that education will take you anywhere and yeah. you will take that education and you will go back to it when you want to change your strategy and you will and you will remember what you learned and then you will go and and do another strategy
0: yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because going back to where we started where, you know, people might have questioned your 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 decision making around how you use that initial pot of of funding that you had, you know, to invest in your own education. But that's something that you're going to take with you for life. And and you know, whatever changes happen here on in, whether they're within your own life or whether they're within the, um, you know, the political landscape or whatever it is, you've got that education to fall back on. That means you can just adapt, modify, change strategy, move to a different area and you can just deploy it in exactly the same way.
1: We use that money to buy a student property, which is what we wanted to do. Originally, mm. we would yeah. have got one student property and we yeah. would have been in the same boat again. James would have had to go and work in the law, which he didn't want to. Yeah. And it, it wouldn't have guided us that down the path that we have gone down.
0: Yeah. So if that was your, your your first deal was it is for a lot of us, I think, isn't it? Our first deal is always our favorite one. Yes. So thinking more sort of in terms of the numbers financially, what's been your best deal?
1: Best deal that gives us the most cash flow um are HMOs yeah we have a handful of HMOs in the northeast still but further up north even further up north than than where we invest in our buy to lets um yeah. six and a half hour journey away from home and so that's, which, see, that's you're really
0: you're a long way from your investment area then aren't you
1: yeah, because we both live in London. So we we do have to travel to our investment area. So for the buy to let area, it's a nine hour round trip, which we do do in a day. We do that in a day. We leave at four o'clock in the morning. We do 15 to 20 viewings. Yeah. We visit um, estate agents and then we turn around and we come home. So we might we leave home at 4.30 in the morning and we probably come home at about ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night.
0: And how many times are you doing that in a typical month, would you say?
1: At the, at the beginning, when we first started, it was twice a yeah. month. But now it's just once a month.
0: Yeah.
1: And now we because we've got builders in situ and, and, and things like that, if something comes through that an agent will say, Natalie, before this goes on the market, would you like to see it? Yes, we'll come tomorrow. If for whatever reason we can't come tomorrow, then we send our builder to go and have a look at it. Because he knows now what we want, how we want to do our property, and he will price it up for us. And he will tell us what the refurb is, is going to cost us. And we know, because we know the area, what the top value would be without having to see it.
0: Yeah. So for any of the listeners that that, that, that think you're slightly crazy and that don't understand the thought process that went into that, why would you drive nine hour round trip to get to an area? To, you know, why were you not tempted to invest closer to home or invest you know, in London? What, what was the thought process around that?
1: because I can buy a buy-to-let house for anything Mm. between 40 and 55,000 pounds
0: yeah
1: in London you wouldn't even get a garage for that
0: an an ensuite bathroom yeah no
1: (laughs) so that's why because we wanted to build up that foundation and we wanted to buy multiple houses to give us the cash flow so we would have bought one and we probably would have got I just don't think it works in London. A buy-to-let market doesn't really work.
2: Yeah. You would
1: have to leave too much money in the yeah. deal, and and when you're buying at forty-five, between forty and fifty-five thousand pounds, when we first started, we weren't leaving anything in the deal. Now we may leave five thousand in a deal, but nothing more than that.
2: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what's so the,
1: what's the so, so, <laughs> flip now. so every you know we we we're doing a flip so. The money that we get from the flip yeah. is the money that we can leave in the deal. So that flip, we're going to make minimum £25,000 profit. That gives us five deals that we can leave £5,000 in the deals.
0: Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask. What's What does the future hold? So you're moving more into flips now, or is that just a strategy that's running alongside your, your buy-to-lets?
1: To be honest, because we can't get the money in, money out deals as easily anymore, mm. we've had to just think outside the box we don't want to be leaving investors money in deals so that's why we're doing this flip this is the first flip we've done but it's a good way of us getting a lump sum of money to be able to leave in the deal so that'll give us five 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 buy to let deals that we can leave five thousand pounds in each of those deals and then we'll do another flip to do exactly the same
0: got you so this is the flip that you mentioned at the start that you're, you're currently working on
1: yes and again i'm really excited because we haven't done a flip before it was it was a really dated house it was it was um owned by an old lady and the granddaughter and the son were the um executives were not the will they were the beneficiaries to the will so they were going to sell this house and they were going to share the money between them so we negotiated the price that was right for us yeah they would have liked to have us to go on a bit quicker but we said we're cash buyers so this is the price we're willing to pay yeah um it wasn't our first offer. but we did go up slightly from our first offer so we did put a little bit of negotiation in we wanted them to see that we were yeah trying to make things work for them as well
2: yeah
1: um so we agreed the price and we thought it would all go through in about six weeks because it was a cash purchase all angel money, all the cash purchase and the refurb is all done on angel money. Okay. So angel investors. So unfortunately, because of COVID, things took a little bit longer. Just to, The process took longer to go through. So it wasn't a six-week completion. We didn't complete till the second week of January. Our builders picked up the keys for us um, on the Thursday, and they started work on the Monday. And we're due to go up. So what they've done, they've ripped everything out. They've taken a window out and put French doors in at the back. Um, They've taken out a wall to make the whole place look brighter. So the wall between the dining room and the kitchen. We've changed the place of the door and we've taken out the wall. We've taken out the chimney breast as well downstairs just to make the room bigger. Yeah. And also make it look brighter because it is bigger as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because we want the wow factor when people come in and view this property. Yeah. And I just think a bright house does give you that wow factor or helps to give you that wow factor. Um, And. It was the small I've viewed probably about between five hundred and a thousand houses, I would say in my time. And I have never seen such a small bathroom in as I as in this house. And I said to my builder, I said, we're going to have to create a wow factor in this bathroom. You do realise that. And he just looked at me as though I was absolutely crazy because it's so tiny. Literally, you're squeezed in there. There was a shower cubicle, a basin and a toilet. And that was it. I said, I want a bath in there. He said, excuse me. I he said, a bath won't fit in there. I said, you have to do whatever you need to do to get a bath in there because it's this is going to be a family house. It's okay if it's going to be a young couple. Yeah, that's fine. A, a shower cubicle is fine. But with a family, the kids want a bath.
2: Yeah.
1: And what's he done for me? He's put a bath in. He bought a smallish bathtub. He's bought it and he's fitted it in. And it looks so much bigger. The bathroom looks so much bigger, even though he's put a bathtub in it, than when we first bought it.
0: Yeah, you pick you pick up those tips and tricks as you go through, don't you? It's funny because... Obviously, listeners of the podcast um, won't be able to see this, um, but but the uh, the podcast episodes do go out on our on our YouTube channel now, um, and you'll be able to see in the background the um, the the bright tiles that I'm actually sat in one of our service departments, and we had exactly that um, that 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 decision that thought process because we had quite um, one of them was compromised in terms of the size of the kitchen, and it was the first thing that you walked into. So we went for some really quite bonkers kitchen tiles, really quite colourful, in the hope that the first thing, the first impression that someone's going to get when they open the door is not, oh, that's a little bit small. It's, oh, wow, look at those tiles, you know, and it sort of takes takes the edge off it. you know. Absolutely. So it's just things you pick up along the way, isn't it? What do you you mentioned so funding that deal you mentioned that you you, you did put any of your own cash into this particular deal this all came from angel investors so yeah. for anybody listening that's not familiar with that term what what is an angel investor to you and and how did you go about finding them and and how did you go, go about sort of attracting them to work with you on this project
1: believe it or not when i first started this journey all that i'd been through i was actually quite a shy person and i And I was really uncomfortable in front of people that I didn't know. And one of the first things you're taught on your um, on your training is talk to people, tell people what you do. And I'm thinking I'm shriveling into my chair and I'm thinking this is I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do this. But because you become so passionate about what you're doing, you want to talk to people about what you're doing. You tell them what you're doing. You tell them how you're doing the deals. You tell them how you're refinancing the deals and you're pulling your money out at the other end. You're telling them you use other people's money. And then basically, I just say, do you know anyone who's interested, who might be interested, who has money sitting in the bank, earning no interest? I don't ask them for their money. I just ask if they know anybody who might be interested. And more often than not, they'll say, we've got something put away.
2: Yeah,
1: we'd like to work with you and they'll give you a small amount to begin with. Yeah, They're obviously testing the waters as well. Um, if, if they give me enough for the full refurb and the purchase, then they can get security on the house that we're buying.
2: Yeah.
1: People have money and they get nothing in the bank. We're offering our angel investors between six and 10 percent, depending on the deal. Yeah, and how much they give us. Um, so it, we, what we're do- trying to do is create a win-win situation for both of us. We're getting another house to add to our portfolio, but they're getting interest in their bank account that they wouldn't normally have got. Yeah. So I've got one investor that at the beginning, he took the money back, but now every time the term comes to an end, he'll say, Keep it for another year. Keep it for another year. Now, he he is a very close um, family friend of ours, but he's getting on in years. You know, He's coming up to being 80 now. He doesn't want a loan agreement or anything like that because he doesn't believe in all that. All he wants me to do is send him an email of what I've borrowed from him for how long and what money I'll be paying him back. Yeah. Just in case he dies so his family will know.
2: Yeah. And yeah, yeah.
1: now, you know, a lot of the people, once once they've worked with us two or three times, they'll just say, nah, just keep the money.
2: Yeah.
1: Or James, just keep the money. And what we're finding is uh, with James now, a lot of his, his, because he went to private school, he got a scholarship to a private school. And he's, he, you know, they all went into good jobs. A lot of them are getting good bonuses. Bonuses all come our way. Hmm. Because yeah. they know that they're not going to get anything in the bank for, with yeah. their bonuses, so they come our way.
0: And with the talk of negative interest rates and things like that in the news, it's, uh, you know, that's quite a compelling offer to people, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, if you're not asking them, if you just asking them, we either ask them if they know anyone who might be interested in what we do. And we talk to people or we have a one page um, document that is just. A downtrodden house these are the sort of deals we're looking for and this is on the other side this is what we turn them into would you want to get interest would you want to get involved in that
2: yeah
1: or we give them our loan agreement and ask them to just look it over to see if there's anything that they would think might could be changed nothing needs to be changed but we want them to read our loan document
2: yeah <laughs> Yeah. So
1: there's various ways that we go about actually getting our angel investors depending on who it is and whether we've worked with them before. If we've worked with them before, we don't need to do anything. They'll just say keep the money.
0: Yeah. Okay, brilliant. So your 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 journey, your story is is um is very very inspiring, but as 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 we both know, there's there's ups and downs in the property game. It's not all smooth sailing and um what what about what about some of the mistakes you made along the way or, or, or what's the biggest lesson that you've learned going through?
1: OK, so when we went to start um, investing in HMOs, I think a couple of the ones that we bought, we, we bought when we first started there, we bought in a wrong area and we don't always have those rooms fully rented out. So I think that was probably our biggest mistake. We yeah. were just so eager to get into HMOs that we just went where the properties were cheap and we and we, we yeah. you know we forgot all the things about speaking to letting agents. We just wanted to diversify a little bit um and then after that we learned our lesson. but the the first two hMOs we bought we bought wrong. Um, yeah. it, it, in a way, it's sometimes nice to make some mistakes because it actually brings you back to back to the ground and it makes you think, don't forget what you learned. go back to the basics even if you're starting a new strategy go back to the basics and do what you're supposed to do don't try and take shortcuts yeah because that's what we did we didn't want to speak to the letting agent with this let out you know we just thought we could do it ourselves but we can't no one it was a new area two it was a new strategy and and we were trying to run before we could
0: walk yeah So what was the mistake there? So not doing your demand analysis for HMOs, not not understanding the the
1: area area and, um, you know, seeing what sort of tenant would be living in there. Um, And you you just go to that house and you, you look at it and I wouldn't want to live there. And that's something, you know, I've always abided by that. We will only rent things out that I'd be prepared to live in.
2: Yeah.
1: And we diversified a little bit because we were excited about doing something new, forgetting to go back to our education and what we were taught. So sure. that was just a blip there. Then we carried on buying them and they were absolutely fine. Um, but we we've we've still decided we want to go back to the buy to lets now. So we've gone back to the original buy to let area. We don't want to be doing HMOs anymore. What we've decided is we will do the occasional flip buy-to-lets and have one big deal. We're looking at a piece of land now to buy a piece of land that um, has already got planning permission yep. for four flats and two shops. So wow. we're doing our due diligence on that at the moment. I'm not saying whether we're going to be buying it or not, yep. but that is what's on the cards at the moment.
0: So what's driving the, the move back to buy-to-lets? Because most people would assume that you you move up through the cash-flowing strategies. What What's attracting you back to the buy-to-let market? I
1: can do it in my sleep. Yeah. They're cheap and cheerful. We can collect them. We can collect one a month, even more than one a month if we if if we want to, um, because we can buy them at the right price. During COVID, I was, some of the HMO tenants weren't paying or they just disappeared. We've had no problems with our lets We've had money coming in every single month from them. And I just think it's solid income that comes in every month. It's easy money. We can do it in our sleep. And once we buy them, we just don't have to, because we do them up to such a high standard and we replace everything in there and we make it safe for our our tenants, we don't have to worry about them. Mm -hmm. We hand the property over to the letting agent and that's it. We don't, that's it. It's gone now. We just, we, all we have to do is collect rent every month. And that's what we want to do so that we've got the time to do these bigger deals and do the things that we want to do. We wanted to do this to give us the time, the money and the time to do the things that we wanted to be able to do that we thought we'd never be able to do. You know, my my passion is to travel. Obviously, in the last year, I haven't done any traveling and I'm getting itchy feet. But I've also put in the back of my mind this year, I'm not going to be doing any traveling anyway. I don't think it's safe to travel still. So I won't be going abroad this year either. So. What 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 do you do when you're in this country? You add to your portfolio, <laughs> you do something, don't you? <laughs> like, I haven't got the time. To, I have. I've got the time, but I I haven't um got the wherewithal right now because I'm not willing to travel. Um, so I I just need to carry on spending my money or spending other people's money to buy more houses to get me more income, so that when this all finishes. I can just spend as long as I want traveling to the places
0: that I want to do. I think you make a really good point there. We talk about, you know, staying focused on your on your why, on, on what's driving you. I know I'm definitely guilty of this in the, in our enthusiasm, whatever you want to call it, to move up through the levels and, and do more advanced deals. And sometimes we lose sight of why we got into this in the first place. And and actually what I'm doing is creating more work and stress for myself. Absolutely. You know, so actually you've got to stay focused on why am I doing this? And if, if, if a, if a solid buy to let portfolio achieves that for me, then, you know, then that, that's, that's what I wanted to get out of it in the first place.
1: Don't get me wrong. We will do other stuff as well. If this, if this mm-hmm. land deal doesn't come in, we'll look for another big deal. We'll have always have a back, a big deal on the back burner, yeah. uh, but we will still be buying the buy to let's, in the background as well. And, you know, one day we probably will go into serviced accommodation. I'd like a hotel. Yeah. Um, I know Caroline comes on these podcasts as well yeah. and she's one of the, the 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 panel and um, I visited her hotel. And when I visited her hotel, it was something I said to James, I'd like one of these one day.
2: <laughs>
1: so, you know, they are things that we will think about
2: yeah.
1: in years to come, but right now this is what we want to do. Yeah, one big deal um, of something that we're uncomfort- uncomfortable with, and we're going to be learning on, and carry on buying the bitelets because they don't give you any headache, so you can do the bigger stuff without having any headaches in the background as well.
0: Yeah, what's the one piece of a device then that you would give to somebody just starting out?
1: know why you want to do this your why is so important and just stick to that revisit it all the time anytime you think you're getting cold feet or you come across a hurdle that you're going to think I really don't want to be doing this because 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 and because you will give yourself all the excuses under the sun go back to your why write it down write yeah. it something you can see it all the time and you're doing it to for instance give your, your 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 kids a better life in the long run leave a legacy for your children you know so that you can give up your full time job and spend more time with the children and spend quality time with your children whatever your why may be don't ever forget it because that's what will run you off your track yeah. if you hate to your why Remember all your education, as long as you've had the education. Remember what you have learned, what you've been taught. You've been taught by people that have done this and have been doing it a long time. They know what they're talking about. Listen to them. The system that you are learning is a tried and tested system. Keep to it.
0: Yeah. Great advice. Now, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Your your journey, your, your you know, how you got into property and where you've come from is humbling and, and inspiring and i'm sure all the listeners will feel the same i know if I, if ever i find myself starting to make excuses for myself i'm going to listen back to this i think and just <laughs> give yourself a bit of a kick up the backside so um uh, it's been absolutely absolutely wonderful thank you so much for your time natalie
1: thank you for having me mark take care, take care.
0: i'll speak to you bye soon
1: bye-bye